welcome to Authorised, the podcast where writers speak. My name's Kevin Hillier and a fascinating uh, edition of the podcast coming up with a, a man who has a, an incredible story to tell uh, about uh, something that's fascinated us all, uh, I think, since day dot. Uh, it is UFOs and, uh, as they're now known, UAPs. Uh, Ross Coulthard is the author's name. Uh, you'll know him very well as a, a Walkley award-winning journalist uh, from 60 Minutes from the Sunday night program on Channel 9. Uh, a very familiar face and a very familiar voice uh, to Australians over many, many years as one of this country's leading investigative journalists. Well, he's uh, turned his mind to uh, this uh, book that we're talking about today. It's called In Plain Sight. It's an investigation into UFOs and impossible science. And he's done an incredibly thorough job of talking to an enormous amount of people and bringing this story to us. A lot of uh, questions. Are there a lot of answers? There's a lot of questions and a lot of answers. I have a lot of both uh, for Ross, and we'll talk to him in just a tick. But our thanks to our terrific podcast partners. That, of course, is CSCG. Uh, You'll deal with an individual at CSCG, but you're backed by a team of people who know exactly what they're doing in the finance world. Give them a call, have a chat, or jump on the website and see the people that you're dealing with. They really are terrific people, a great team of people, a great organisation. They're as close to you as 9974-8333 or jumping on the website, cscg.com.au. Let's get to our author for this week and a fascinating and uh, intriguing book with, as I said, lots of questions. It's called In Plain Sight. Congratulations on the book. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I've loved writing it. It was good fun. Uh, well, uh, well, obviously a lot of work too. Uh, what, two years to put together from Go To Woe? Is that is that about right? Easily, yeah, probably two plus years. You know, I mean, I've been working on the, the the subject matter for quite a few years, especially through my time at sixty Minutes. I mean, I I pitched the story several times at sixty Minutes. To be honest with you, I I was very keen on on um, talking to Christopher Mellon and uh, Lou Elizondo because I knew about them well before it all became public. It fascinated me that there were these people at the very apex of defence and military intelligence in America who were basically saying this phenomenon is real and it needs to be taken seriously. And I was quite surprised, actually, when um, uh, while I was working at 60 Minutes in 2016, Chris Mellon very kindly said, look, come to... uh, uh, come to see me in Pennsylvania and I'll sit down and we can do an interview. And it was quite sad because we missed that opportunity. It just didn't, we kept on missing each other. But I um, I kept in touch with him and it's been very, very interesting watching the, firstly, the, if you like, the rise of Tom DeLong's strange organisation to the Stars Academy mm-hmm. and, uh, and then watching the break between Mellon, Elizondo and DeLong and TTSA because... Um, you know, they are, in their mind, and I, I think they are, they're genuinely patriotic people who, who are driven, I think, by a sense that the public's not being told the full story about what's really going on in America, which is an incredible, incredible story, really. I, I just find it, as a journalist, it's, it's um, fascinating. Does it get a little lost, though, in the conspiracy theory world, though? A little bit. I've stayed away. Well, you'll see. I've stayed away from the conspiracy theory. Yeah. I, I've tried. I've I've really tried to avoid um, a lot of the woo. Uh, I mean, the bottom line is with the book, I've confined myself first to the history. Yep. Because yep. one of, one of the things that really struck me when I started looking at this is all the way through your and my career in journalism, 
there's been there's always been in the corner of the newsroom a hard-bitten editor or executive producer who basically says we don't do UFO stories they're <laughs> bullshit you know and um, and, and uh, you know it's always been the default in media newsrooms and we've been acculturated as media to treat all claims about unidentified flying objects or anomalous aerial phenomena with uh, huge skepticism which we should you know we should be skeptical but what really struck me when I started looking at the evidence and talking to people both here in Australia in defense, intelligence, scientists, experiences, witnesses, there's a lot of stuff you just can't dismiss peremptorily and say, look, this is rubbish. It's it's you know, it's it's conspiracy woo. There's a lot of stuff there that's sourced from original Defense Department documents. Mm. Uh, there's sightings going right back to when the British were testing in the Maralinga nuclear test site and in the Woomera rocket range. Uh, there's sightings even before that by uh, people across southern Australia in the period prior to the dramatic Roswell sighting yeah, in 1947. Yeah, yeah. Um, across Australia, and this has largely escaped people's attention, across Australia there were three independent sightings of five egg cylindrical shaped objects that were seen by multiple witnesses independently reported in the news media and um, that was in the weeks prior to the whole Roswell incident and there was one farmer in the Flinders Ranges who said that he'd seen these objects coming up out of the sea and then they were tracked travelling right across southern Australia. And it's interesting because when you go through the Air Force files, which for a journal like me, it's kind of, well, what did the Defence Department know? You know, what did the Defence Air Force intelligence people say? And I found corroboration in those archives to show that there were sightings, that they were seeing anomalous objects and that the efforts by the military, the intelligence services... Air Force Department of Intelligence, they couldn't explain this phenomenon. They, they were unable to uh, put any kind of explanation on what it was. And that made me realise, wow, why do, we, why do we dismiss this out of hand? Yeah. yeah. And, and then I, I spoke to people in our defence science organisation and they told me about Harry Turner, who was a professor of physics from Melbourne University, and he ended up working at the highest levels of defence science in Australia, what it, what's now called the Defence Science Technology Organisation. And he was, he was working as a young physics um, analyst with the British at Maralinga. So he was monitoring radiation at Maralinga. And he investigated sightings of craft metallic elliptical disc-shaped objects that were tracked at tens of thousands of kilometres an hour flying over the Maralinga test range and causing real concern to the people who were um, responsible for letting off these bombs. And, um, you know, it was a security concern for the Australian government and and the British government that something was intelligently engaging, turning up at the time of nuclear tests Clearly, Harry had the view that whatever it was was interested in our use or misuse thereof of nuclear weapons. And um, he ended up writing a report in the early 70s to Defence Science, the Defence Department bosses, basically recommending that 
Australia go its own go on its own initiative and investigate UFOs. And he had a lot of support inside the department because there were so many sightings over Australia at the time. There were so many people saying that they'd seen things. And mm. there was a concern in the Department of Air Force Intelligence that there was a an anomalous phenomena that was incapable of explanation. But then Around about that time at the end of Project Blue Book, 69, 70, into the 70s, there was a very deliberate change in policy. And the Americans decided, and it's it's there in the CIA CIA archives, if anyone wants to read it, there are documents where the CIA, America's intelligence service, basically decided, you know what? we don't want any more of these UFO stories. We want this out of the media, you know, and uh, for whatever reason, they decided to suppress the issue of UFOs and they followed a deliberate policy of stigmatising, ridicule, creating a taboo around the subject. And it's funny because one of the things I did for my research is I sat down with editors of former newspapers and television networks where I've worked and I've said, you know, when we talked about UFO stories and you poo-pooed them, what was it about the subject matter? And quite often at the end of the conversation, especially after the second or third beer, they'd go, you know, I don't know. Why do we ridicule the subject of UFOs? And I think it's because we're locked into a, a paradigm which basically says there's no evidence and there is evidence. Yeah. As I was to discover, the evidence is quite extraordinary. Yeah. and. Um, you know, it's funny because I was waiting. I've been waiting for colleagues in the mainstream media to take a swipe at me and say, oh, you know, what's a serious journalist like you doing investigating UFOs? But I think fortuitously along came the Pentagon because at pretty much the exact time that I started researching this story, the New York Times, the world's possibly the world's most eminent newspaper, uh, all the news that fits to print, that's fit to print, yeah. it, it basically started running these extraordinary stories where they basically acknowledged the reality of the UAP issue. They, they said, look, here are these videos, the gimbal, the tic-tac, the go-fast, shot by US Navy aviators, which show anomalous objects doing weird things, incredible speeds, speeds that are impossible according to known technology, right-angled turns at high speed with no discernible slowing in velocity, literally instantaneous right-angled turns at high speeds, tens of thousands of kilometres an hour. The sort of manoeuvres that would turn any human inside or any vehicle that we know in our aerospace technology would just fall apart, it would just disintegrate. And these objects were tracked by the US Navy on radar, on at-fleur imaging, on optical imaging. The top-of-the-line phased array radar systems in the best of the US military arsenal were telling the US military aviators that were flying these craft, this is real. Mm. Um, These are real objects. These are solid objects doing this. And I've spoken as recently as yesterday to a US Navy pilot who is flying aircraft off the east coast of the USA, and I know he's made a report to the Air Force and to the, I think it's the UAP task force that are investigating this phenomenon for the Pentagon and for Congress, 
that he saw an, an object that was um, basically uh, doing this anomalous stuff just within about within the last week. And so this is continuing. Whatever it is, there is now an acknowledged mystery. As of April 2020, the US Pentagon admitted it cannot prosaically explain the Tic Tac video, the gimbal video, mm. the GoFast video, or indeed any of the other imagery from 144 sightings since um, 2004. They can only explain one of them. One of them was written off as a weather balloon, but 143 out of 144 incidents, the US Pentagon's UAP investigators have admitted formally to the Congress they cannot explain prosaically what these objects are. They're intelligently controlled. To the pilots that have seen them, they look like craft. They look like vehicles of some kind. They're responding to the pilots that are engaging with them in a way that appears to be intelligent. They're doing speeds, manoeuvres, far beyond known technology. And the US has formally admitted this is a genuine mystery. It's authentic. It's not woo. It's not conspiracy mm. theory. And that, that's why we're in such a new paradigm. So what's the next logical step from there? I mean, you've, you've laid all this information out in the book. Um, uh, what, what's the next logical step from there? Because we know, we know they're there, so. Yeah. Okay. The, the first thing that a lot of sceptics do is they try and put up a straw man argument. They say, ah, oh, well, you're saying it's aliens. And truly, I'm not. I don't know what it is. But what's very interesting is there are documents that I write about in my book which have been leaked from within the Pentagon, one from the office of the Undersecretary of Defence Intelligence. And it's a briefing slide that was used to brief the Undersecretary for the Department of Defence. So a very, very senior defence official. And the briefing was done by ATIP, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, which was the um, Pentagon's unit that was commissioned by the Defence Intelligence Agency in the US to investigate this phenomenon because they were, they were officially acknowledging, yes, this is a mystery, we want it investigated. And so ATIP, after they'd done their investigations, did a briefing to the Undersecretary for Defence. And in that briefing, they there's a slide that's become apocryphally known as slide nine because it was the ninth slide in a PowerPoint presentation. And it basically talks about an intelligence that is capable of manipulating human perception and consciousness. And it was telling the United States that essentially there is something that is capable of manipulating human perception and consciousness. It can essentially disguise itself. Um, if it's real, and they're saying it is, mm. then the US is actually confronted by something that is far more advanced technology than theirs. And there are people that I've spoken to inside the Pentagon. I mean, I've, I've been lucky. I've used my position as a senior investigative journalist to get meetings and briefings with people in the US Pentagon. And they've spoken to me confidentially. They, they don't want to go on the record, but they're happy to talk on background. And a number of them have used the A word, alien. Mm. They really have. They're actually saying that we are now possibly looking at the first time that humans are acknowledged to be in contact with a non-human intelligence. 
an alien. They don't use the word extraterrestrial because yeah. extraterrestrial implies off Earth, off world. And the the interesting thing is that, you know, some people, and I'm not in a position to know one way or the other, all I can do is articulate from the evidence that there is a mystery, there is an authentic mystery, but that there are people within the American military corporate aerospace, defence, intelligence infrastructure, who are basically talking candidly about disclosure, that the United States knows a lot more about this than it's letting on. It has known for a very long time. It's been exploring this phenomenon for a very, very long time. And um, one of the things my book explores is the fact that Hillary Clinton, in the run-up to the 2016 election battle with Donald Trump, according to leaked emails that unbelievably the Russian GRU, military intelligence, stole from the Democratic National Convention, the DNC. These were the emails of essentially the campaign for Hillary Clinton. And the Russians procured them and leaked them in the hope that it might cause political damage to Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump because for whatever reason they wanted to help Trump. And in those emails, it shows very, very clearly, unbelievably, I find it amazing that Tom DeLong, the lead singer of Blink-182, a yeah. rock band, you couldn't, you couldn't write this stuff, Kevin, <laughs> it's amazing. Tom DeLong, who'd long had an obsession with UFOs, you know, the woo of flying saucers, he'd even gone out into the desert and tried to summon some using Close Encounters 5, CE5. He managed to get a meeting with Robert Weiss, who's the chief executive at the time of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, which is the corporate aerospace defence company in America. Huge, big defence giant. And uh, he'd been asked by Lockheed Martin to do a presentation at one of their corporate events. And so he said, yeah, sure, I'll do it, so long as you give me five minutes with Robert Weiss. And in that conversation, he says he managed to persuade Robert Weiss that he knew what Robert knew, that that they were sitting on evidence about UFOs. Now, I don't know the truth of that, whether, in fact, Skunk Works are the repository of hidden flying sources. You know, I've got no idea. But what is fascinating is that there is no doubt in my mind, and this is proved by these WikiLeaks emails that were leaked from the DNC, there is no doubt in my mind that Weiss then facilitated meetings between Tom DeLong, um, John Podesta, who was then the chief campaign advisor and campaign manager for Hillary Clinton. He was a former senior policy advisor for Barack Obama. I think he was his chief of staff. And he was also a policy advisor to Bill Clinton. Very, very well-connected guy. And Weiss also put him in touch with General Neil McCasland, who was a two-star Pentagon general, just retired. And, and he'd been talking to McCasland, apparently, while McCasland was still in the saddle, still working inside the Pentagon. That was his the what general the going on to here? talk about? Well, he's, well, the speculation is that he is, quote, the general yeah. who was referred to in the Podesta emails. Yeah. And if that's true, the general in the emails, Tom DeLong said in later interviews, is the person who told Tom DeLong that it was the Cold War and the US recovered, quote, a life form. Wow. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> now, and, 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 and this is where, this is where things got really weird for me because I'm looking at that and I'm going, okay, I can be sure that Tom DeLong had meetings with Neil McCasland because that's proven by the documents that I've seen. Now, nobody intended for the DNC emails to be leaked. They are really sensitive emails. You know, they're Hillary Clinton talking to senior people in the administration, John Podesta planning Hillary Clinton's campaign. There was no way this was ever intended to be public information. And they show very clearly the truth to Tom DeLong's claims that he was talking to John Podesta, Robert Weiss, General Neil McCasland, General Michael Carey, serving generals in our military, serving senior officers in the, sorry, in the US military. And more importantly, they were talking about disclosure, about having a big event when Hillary became president where it would be revealed to the American public and how to control the revelation of what it was she was planning to reveal. It's not explained what it is that they were planning to reveal, mm. but it's very, very clear that they were planning to reveal something about the US government's knowledge about UFOs. And that's just mind-blowing because for most of your and my career, or for all of your and my career, we've all been told as journalists that, that UFOs are things to be ridiculed, that the whole subject matter is conspiracy and woo-woo, it's paranoid nonsense, that there's no truth to recovered craft, recovered bodies, it's all rubbish. I'm not so sure anymore. And neither are people on the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Washington Examiner, Politico, these are heavy-hitting media organisations at the absolute top of America's media establishment. And they, like I, have got sources in the Pentagon, the intelligence services, science, who are telling them what I've been told. And I've been told by no less exclusively a guy called Nat Kobitz, who's the former director of science and technology development for the US Navy, the former chief geek, no less, for the US Navy, because he was on his deathbed, he gave me over several months the most extraordinary series of interviews. And one of the things he admitted was that he was read into. He was given the security briefings, the SCI, Security Compartmented Intelligence Clearances, on top of his top secret classification that allowed him to be read into the program involving the retrieval of multiple crashed, non-terrestrial, non-human, quote, craft. And he has gone on the record with me in my book that the US government has recovered craft. So has the New York Times. And people have missed this. A lot of friends in the media are basically saying to me, oh, gee, you're really out on the edge there. And I go, you know what? I don't think I am. <laughs> if you read your New York Times, the New York Times in July last year ran a story where they alleged that the US government has retrieved non-human advanced technology. This is real. Mm. And it's weird because I'm, I feel like there's a cognitive dissonance at the moment in the media. And I've, I've had this happen to me a lot as an investigative journalist. You know, you, I, I had an experience once where I was investigating in the medical profession a doctor who was doing dreadful things to women. 
And I'd go to people in the various health complaints bodies. I would talk to senior members of his profession. And they all had their heads in the sand. They'd all say, oh, no, no, it can't possibly be happening. you know." And there was this paradigm that you had to get over, this cognitive dissonance where people just couldn't even begin to contemplate the possibility that there was a doctor who would just do vile things sexually to women while they were under his control as a, as a gynecologist. It was just awful. Mm. And then finally we ran the stories, we proved the evidence and then everybody goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you knew that all the time. Yeah, no, it's appalling. It was allowed to happen, you know, and, and there was that shift that occurred. Yeah. This is what's happening now. This is what's happening now in UFOs. People for so long have been acculturated to the idea that this is a phenomenon that should be mocked and ridiculed and stigmatized, the great taboo. And yet when you look at the evidence, as I have done, and I've done a degree, if you like, in the subject matter. Yeah, have you ever? It's real. <laughs> And, and, it's, and it's been quite fortuitous for me because I was thinking I was going to be way out on a, on a limb. But as I've been doing this research, fortuitously, serendipitously, the US government has actually been forced to admit because of renegade senators in its ranks, Marco Rubio, the Republican senator from Florida, Senator Harry Reid, the Nevada senator who was the Senate majority leader, one of the most powerful people in the Senate, a member of the Gang of Eight, the people who oversee the, the most sensitive programs in the black budgets of the US government. These are heavy hitters in the US Congress. Um, Mark Warner, a Democrat uh, senator, you know, there are people at the absolute top of both political parties in America who are now admitting what has previously been the unthinkable. That's the change. So when you've got when you've got someone like a Donald Trump who, who you know, beats Hillary Clinton in that election, that information is there. And I'm assuming that it was he was able to look at that information as well. Why hasn't I'm it very out? sure Donald Trump well, Donald Trump was briefed, and in fact, he did do. Donald Trump did do an interview with his son John uh, Don Junior uh, in the period. I think it was about three months before the election. Yeah. And Trump obviously assumed he was going to win the election, so he wasn't in any hurry. My understanding is he was briefed in to part of what people call the program, mm. and he was asked by Donald Trump Junior, and it was clearly a prearranged question. He knew it was coming. And Donald Trump said to him, so, Dad, what about what, what about Roswell, you know, this 1947? You know, there's a lot of people who say that there was a, a flying saucer, a craft recovered in 1947. And he's doing it with that ironic smile that a lot of people do when they're talking about this subject matter. They just can't take it seriously. Yeah. And to my surprise and to the surprise of a lot of people in America, rather than just go, you know, dismiss it out of hand, Trump actually acknowledged. He said, well, that's very interesting. And, and I really, I can't talk about that at the moment, but I will, I'd like to another time, maybe later. Okay. And it's because he'd been briefed. I'm told he was briefed in, as was Obama. And you may have noticed that there was a, a, an incredibly uh, revealing admission made by Obama, President Obama, in an interview that was done also about four or five months ago. And Obama was asked the big question, about the growing evidence that the phenomenon is real, and he acknowledged it is real. But didn't he, he also say that? He, didn't he also say that there was no life uh, outside our planet? 
famous in quote 2011, of and this is something I think the White House will live to regret. Yeah. In 2011, so that's 10 years ago, the White House science advisor under President Obama, presumably with the authorization of the president, they were responding to a change.org petition which was pushing the White House to reveal what many believe are the the big secrets hidden inside the darkest vaults of the US military about UFOs. And so the Obama White House decided to be transparent and the science advisor on behalf of the president put out a press release where they basically denied any knowledge of American retrieval of or knowledge of extraterrestrials, that they said there was no evidence of an extraterrestrial presence on planet Earth, period. That was the most definitive, and indeed it's the only comment that's ever been made by any president in the history of the presidencies. It's really interesting yeah. because every other president has always avoided this subject matter. They've always used ridicule. But in 2011, the Obama White House had clearly pushed for answers, and they were given that information. And so that's why what Obama said in this most recent interview is so significant because He's basically flagging there as much as he can do within the constraints of his presidential oath because he's as bound by national security constraints as, you, as you know, anybody is that signed them. Um, he was indicating that, yes, there is something to this. It's real. And he was acknowledging that pilots are seeing anomalous phenomena and that this should be investigated. Now, that's a turning point. Yeah. More importantly, Mitt Romney, the, re- the Republican senator from Utah. Now, Mitt's Utah, of course, is one of the locations where a lot of anomalous stuff has been seen. He lost the 2012 presidential race against Barack Obama. But, you know, he was for a while one of the aspiring presidents in America. He sits on two of the Congress's most important oversight committees, including Homeland Security, which is probably the most, if not one of the most powerful. And he recently told CNN that he believes the objects seen by US Navy pilots in numerous sightings are not American technology. And that he also doubts that they're Russian or Chinese. And he gave CNN this quote. He said, if they were, why would why that would suggest they have a technology, the Russians or the Chinese, which is in a whole different sphere than anything that we can understand. And frankly, China and Russia just aren't there. And neither are we, by the way. Oh, wow. But there you've got one of the most powerful senators in America on the record saying, no, this isn't secret American tech. It's not Chinese or Russian tech that's been developed in the black. And the reason why it's not, and again, people, again, are not mis- and they're not understanding the significance of what's being admitted by people like the um, UAP task force. What is being described in the technology that has been caught on multiple sensor systems, on video, on radar, on atfleur, on optical imaging, what has been caught is anti-gravity technology. Someone, something out there has anti-gravitic technology. That's technology that officially the human race does not have yet. Mm. So it's always possible when you ask me, is it possible that this is extraterrestrial or, you know, are we are we avoiding the question as to whether it's ET? I'm really not because it is possible that maybe somewhere there's a Russian scientist or a, 
Uh, maybe there's a secret corporate aerospace technology that's working on this, that's flying it around and buzzing American, Russian, Chinese, because it's happening all over the world. It's happening here in Australia. People are seeing these objects and they are being recorded on absolutely top-of-the-line video, radar, imaging. This is unprecedented because we've got technology now. The old-fashioned radars used to go like a clock. They used to do a sweep. And every second or so, you'd get an image that would bloop on the screen, yeah. like the classic yeah. old World War II radar, you know, bloop. Yeah. Now you have a thing called phased array radar. You can shoot a beam at an object. And that beam not only allows you to detect the solidity of that object, which they've done a dozen times with these objects off the coast of uh, Virginia, it also allows you to get the shape, the size, the mass. And and you can, you know, one one soldier told me, one uh, pilot told me, with one of the imaging systems he's got, you can literally see the rivets. If there were rivets there, you could see it. That's the quality of what they're getting. And I've spoken to people who've seen these objects. And they're quite open with me that they don't think that these are human. They say it's a technology that is just not of this world. Now, I don't know. I truly don't know. Uh, I've spoken to people in the US government who tell me that they think this is extraterrestrial, that it's alien. But other people tell me that, you know, they can't rule out the possibility that that maybe the Russians or the Chinese have developed some advanced technology that we don't know about yet. But why the hell would they just go and buzz the American fleet off the coast of Baja, California? You know, why would you do it like that? Why would you compromise your own sources? So it doesn't make a lot of sense. But what is significant is after years in the black, because I do think the Americans have known about this technology for easily 50 years. I'm sure they have. And the files show that. The files in the CIA's own library show that they were retrieving objects, flying saucers from Pakistan, Afghanistan, Africa. There's been secret retrieval operations on all over the world retrieving objects. Hmm. A secret project called Moondust going around the world, picking up objects and taking them back to the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base where they've been analysed by scientists. And I've spoken to scientists who've looked at some of this technology. I spoke to one scientist, Nat Kobitz, who was asked to look at a bulkhead, what he thinks was a metal bulkhead at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And they were asking him, how had these two metals been bonded? And he was looking for a weld. <laughs> and he couldn't, he couldn't yeah. find a weld. Yeah. There was no weld. He said these objects had been bonded at the atomic level. He said it was a level of science far beyond his understanding. Wow. Are That's ex- what's going on. There are, and there are people talking about this candidly now to people like me, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, very, very slowly, media organisations. The, uh, there's a guy on Fox News called Tucker Carlson who's a controversial oh, yeah. right-wing commentator. He's also run a lot with this. And I think people are starting to realise Nobody's backing down. Nobody from the US administration is pouring cold water on this. What's unusual is the Americans are actually admitting it's a real phenomenon. 
Is this the? Uh, I mean, is this setting us all up for the big reveal? Is that what you expect it to be? Because I can only speculate. I yeah. mean, I, I, the, the the documents from the WikiLeaks archive, the leaked Hillary Clinton emails, suggest that Hillary Clinton was planning some kind of disclosure in mm. 2016, 2017, when she became president, and that all got thrown in, in the spanner in the works when she didn't win the election. So. It depends what happens now. My understanding from my own sources is that there's huge paranoia inside the US administration at the moment about revealing too much of what they know because they don't want to give their strategic rivals, notably the Russians and the Chinese, any kind of heads up about what they've got. They don't want to be forced, for example, if they've got it, they don't want to be forced into revealing that they have recovered, quote, exotic materials. Yeah. Why would they do that? Why would you show your hand? If I was the president, I would keep this secret. You know, I, I, I'm not I'm not an apologist for 70 years of denial if it's been that long, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to find out that maybe as early as Harry Truman in 1947 signed a presidential directive that said we will keep this secret because it's imperative for the security of the United States that we be the ones that re-engineer this technology. And the fascinating thing was that when I started engaging with scientists, I followed a, a strategy as an investigative journalist. I didn't want to leave a metadata trail. I didn't want to email people or phone people who I believed may have some knowledge of what's colloquially referred to as the program in the US, which is essentially some kind of back engineering program. So I wrote them letters. And then I invited people to communicate with me on Signal, WhatsApp, or, or Telegram, or encrypted email. And they did. And I, I started getting the most extraordinary letters from the most extraordinary people, people who purport to have been involved in the program and who claim to have been working on attempting to back-engineer technology that they claim is not of this earth. Now, as a journalist... I won't believe that until I see it because, <laughs> because you know, frankly, yep. uh, there's always the possibility that this is a very clever US disinformation program yep. that they want their Russian or Chinese rivals to, to believe falsely that they're way ahead of them on technology. So therefore, don't screw with us. We're yep. America. We're number, number one. So there is that possibility. But I also concede that on my one interpretation, there's also the possibility that my sources are telling me the truth. And I have a hunch they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing concept if yeah. it's true, because it means that the White House did lie, that yeah. the president did lie in 2011, because he knew, he knew, he must know yeah. that, that the United States is in possession of retrieved technology, if that's the case. And so we're now in a very interesting time. I, I think the situation internationally has changed since 2016. You know, I think everybody was assuming that Hillary Clinton would become the Democrat president, that um, as the WikiLeaks emails indicate, she would probably be a disclosure president of some kind, revealing whatever it is that the United States knows. She'd made no secret on the campaign. She'd actually made it an issue on the campaign that she was going to, quote, reveal the UFO secrets. Mm. And she and Bill had actually spoken to Lawrence Rockefeller, who was one of the richest men in America, who'd pushed for years behind the scenes different presidents to be more transparent and open 
about whatever it is that the US government knows. And I guess slowly as a journalist, I, I got over those different hurdles, prima facie, beyond reasonable doubt. I'm now at a kind of a criminal burden where I think, yeah, I'm satisfied that there really is something here, yep. that this is real, yep. that the evidence is so overwhelming. There's such a, a, a collation of evidence in my mind that it has to be taken seriously and investigated. And so what's happening now is there's a push on in Congress for congressional hearings, for open public congressional hearings. And this kickback from the tame shrills in the military who are commentating and saying, oh, it's all rubbish, it's all rubbish. But their attempts to debunk are not doing very well because you've got authoritative people like Senator Mitt Romney, who's basically saying, no, I'm really sorry, this is real. This isn't American technology. It's not Russian. It's not Chinese. And it's real. You know, this is a technology, as he says, that is in a whole different sphere from anything that we understand. That's official. Yeah. It's on the record from yeah. Mitt Romney. And there are a dozen other people in the Congress who had said similar things. Senator Harry Reid, on several occasions, the former head of the Senate, he has said that he believes that the United States may well be in possession of non-human technology. And he's sort of backed away from that a little bit at times because I think he's been warned about the dangers to a security oath because all of these people are terrified of losing the security classifications that brief them into these alluring secrets. But I've spoken to some of these people. I've spoken to people on the inside confidentially who've been prepared to engage with me as a serious insect journalist. And they've taken me into their confidence and they've said, yes, Ross, we are talking about disclosure. We're talking about revealing what it is that the United States government knows about UAPs, UFOs. And they've said to me, and Ross, it's a lot. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a can of worms, isn't it? I mean, are you, um, you, you're obviously, you're more enlightened about the whole situation now than when you went in, but have you crawled out of that black hole yet? No, actually, funnily enough, uh, since my – I did a documentary for Channel 7 called The UFO Phenomenon that went to air on the 7 Network, and we just put it up on YouTube uh, a few weeks ago on the Spotlight channel on YouTube. Yeah. And it has gone insane. In the past six days, it's been seen by over a million people. Oh, wow. And um, – I, I'm just getting on a daily basis, like before I found your email, I was looking through your email, sort of just confirming the time for our meeting. You are six and a half thousand emails back. Wow. That's how many, it's just insane. I've had 12,000 and something emails in the past few weeks. I am so snowed with information coming in the door. And a lot of it's from people who are military, in our military in Australia, defence, intelligence. A lot of it's people in our air forces around the world. I've spoken to Russians, Americans, defence officials, intelligence officials. People are talking. There's a willingness to engage because I think, frankly, they're heartened that somebody who's, I've got a reasonable reputation as an investigative journalist, is taking this issue seriously. Yeah. And I think part of the problem here has been that it's been such a successful snow operation we really have been snowed. Mm. Us in the mainstream media have been deterred from investigating the subject matter because we've been told it's bullshit. Yeah. 
and it's not. Yeah, and, 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 and everyone's the, the a nutter who's that, involved in it. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's, a, there's a funny line, the Democratic congressman Andre, Andre Carson, who's on the House Permanent uh, Select Committee on Intelligence in the US, so he's briefed into a lot of the intelligence secrets, secrets. and he was asked about whether this was extraterrestrial, what this phenomenon is. And he said, look, I think a lot of folks would like for us to say that these sightings are extraterrestrial. The intelligence community, that is America's spy services, the NSA, the DIA, the CIA, the NRO, all these different three-letter agencies, he says, we, they say that we can't completely rule that out. So that's from one of the guys on one of the top select committees in America. And this is funny because the New York Times has kind of dipped its toe nervously. You know, the world's greatest newspaper has dipped its toe nervously into this subject matter a few times. And then it kind of does a story that blows everybody away and everybody goes, wow, the New York Times just talked about recovered alien technology. My God. And then it just disappears for a while. And I think it's because it's nervous about the subject matter. You know, it, it, it needs more people to go on the record. It needs more people who are, who are willing to put their necks out and speak publicly. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I think it's going to require congressional hearings because this is a big secret. I'm very sure that there are incredible secrets that have been kept inside the US defence and intelligence establishment for many decades that are now on the point of being revealed. And the only way that's going to come out is if the military witnesses, many of whom I've spoken to, are encouraged to testify and given assurances that they won't be found in breach of their national security oaths if they do testify. And that's when it's going to get interesting because um, if any of the people that I've spoken to testify on the record in the public domain, the world will change overnight. I I kid you not, Kevin. And I'm I'm aware of things that I I haven't written about in my book. Like most journalists, there's 95% of stuff you never write about. And it's to protect sources. I know things that if I revealed them, the powers that be would know immediately who my source was. And I can't talk about it. But basically there are incredible things that, that are hopefully about to be revealed from within the American defence intelligence establishment. And and for anybody out there who thinks, oh, you know, this is reckless, you know, maybe this is a national security issue and we shouldn't be jeopardising the secrets of our great ally, America, not one person has given me any valid reason to continue to keep this information secret. I've invited people that I've spoken to at very high levels, I've invited them to give me one good reason for why this should be kept secret. None of them can, can, none of them can support it. Uh-huh. There's no basis for keeping it secret. Basically, I think a large part of it has been they covered it up very shortly after World War II when they became aware of the phenomenon. They couldn't deal with it. And then as they started to understand it, the immensity of what they were dealing with was such they'd spent so much money. Billions of dollars have been expended on this, by the way. I'm sure that deep inside the black budgets, the undisclosed black budgets of the United States, I am sure a lot of money has been spent on attempting to replicate 
anti-gravitic technology. Oh, yeah. Power, yeah. power sources that are beyond known technology comprehension. Um, and I'm told that they've had a very frustrating time of it. They haven't been able to do it. And, and that, indeed, the obsessive secrecy surrounding the program is what has frustrated insight and breakthrough. And so now we're at a very interesting time where three quarters of a century plus on from World War II, there are now people at the very highest levels of power in the United States who are saying, you know what, there's no good reason why this should be kept secret any longer. It's time to expose it. It's time to tell the public. And if that happens, it's going to be a very interesting ride. (laughs) Uh, and it's fascinating because I feel very privileged. I feel like I'm on a wave before every other surfer. Uh, you know, the the amazing thing is serendipitously, I just managed to dip my toe into the water at exactly the right time that the New York Times was starting to talk about this subject matter. And so people that I contacted sort of went, you know what? There's no harm in talking about this. Yeah. Bugger it. And they did. Yeah. No, good on you. It's a fascinating book. It's a fascinating subject, and it's a, as you say, you've dipped your toe. I think you've you've done more than dip your toe in the water. I think you're you're fully immersed in this. Uh, and I, I thank you so much for your time. You've been incredibly generous. Thank you so much. It is it's a great book and a fascinating read. And I hope that we uh, we see some something soon. I do too. And I, you know what? I think we will. Ross Coulthard is uh, the man's name. It is a terrific book. It's called In Plain Sight. As I mentioned, you'll come away from it with a whole lot more questions, but a lot of uh, incredible facts in there, backed up and brilliantly researched and brilliantly written too. So congratulations to Ross on the book. And my thanks to him for his time, a little longer than normal episode of uh, of Authorised, but uh, absolutely fascinating. All right, let's uh, thank our podcast partners once again, CSCG, team of people ready to help you with your financial situation. When you want to have a talk about superannuation, you want the ins and outs of the tax situation. Now you want to find out what's going on. If you want to do some borrowing or some lending or whatever it is, they have the answers for you on double nine seven four eight triple three double nine seven four eight triple three. That's their telephone number. Jump on the website, see who you're dealing with, see the services they offer. CSCG.com.au. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Authorised Podcast. Until the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. <laughs> <laughs>